Hey guys, welcome to the Moments of Joy podcast. Thanks again for coming and joining us. This week, we have an amazing guest, my very own son, my firstborn child, Quentin Amir Sneed, and he will be a guest on this week's show, chatting with single moms about raising boys, and he has a special message for little boys that um, may be in an awkward period in life. All right, ready for the show? Let's go. I need the joy, the joy of the Lord in my heart. I need to make an exchange. Mm-hmm. My day even starts. Let your light shine all through my life. My heart is open and I am ready to receive your joy. Welcome to the Moments of Joy podcast. I'm so excited today to have with us my very own child. Applause. Woo! <laughs> my firstborn um, baby boy, which he just told me he's not a kid. He's 18. <laughs> Quentin Sneed Lott. Welcome to the show, Quentin. What's up, America? How we doing tonight? Well, it's 1041 in the PM where I'm at, but I mean... <laughs> we're in different time zones so yes we are so the cool thing about this show is that it airs all over the world so people are listening at all different times so with that being said you will be heard on in america in bermuda why are you the first millennial on your podcast i am a millennial you are not a you know what i meant <laughs> I think your generation Z. That's something you made up, but you know it's not Quentin. Google it. I'm not googling that. Yes, your generation Z, and you are the first. I'm honored. Huh? I'm honored. Yes, absolutely. So. We want to get right into the show, and um, me and Quentin talked about, um, you know, him being a guest for some time now um, to share his story. Quentin is in college at New Ham- in New Hampshire on a basketball scholarship, and we are very proud of him, but he has had some um, trials throughout his life in order to get there and you know he's gonna go far beyond that so I just wanted to have him on to discuss you know um how how hard it was to get to this point or you know how easy it was I never hear from the child's perspective so here we go all right so we can just um I guess we could start at like the fifth grade is that when you started playing basketball yeah so actually no rewind before that so around i was around seven or eight years old and you actually signed me up for a summer league basketball um game outside of our project apartments or whatever all the all your friends kids were playing in other than mine. So you had the bright idea. You was like, let me sign my son up. I don't even think you remember this, but you were like, let no, me sign I, my son up. Yes, it was a summer league and yeah. a project. <laughs> and, um, I, literally, I got the ball, didn't, do, didn't know what to do with it, and just stood there. And my coach called timeout and took me out and didn't play a lick until, yeah, I wanted to say the fifth grade. So I, <laughs> I remember you was like, yeah, maybe sports isn't your thing, but. <laughs> and then when we played, we tried uh, 
We tried football Baseball, for a little bit. Like football for a day. I was like, no, nah, I didn't even. <laughs> and why wasn't football it? Nah, because we didn't even play football. It was just straight working out. And at the time, I wasn't like how I am now. Like now I'm working out all the time. Before that, I think I was like nine years old. You took me to a football camp, but we did nothing football related. We just did like foot fire drills and burpees and all this other stuff, sit-ups. And I was like, yeah, this is CrossFit. This ain't football. So So that that was it. And, um, and so, so after that, what happened? And so you were eight at the summer league. Yeah. So I didn't play sports until I was like 10 or 11 until you um, signed me up for the boys and girls club. And then, and that was the after school program. And I still wasn't playing basketball when I got signed up for that. Um, it wasn't until like my fifth grade teacher, um, shout out to Mr. Council if you listen or whatever you at. Um, yeah, it was just like, yeah, you never thought about playing basketball, whatever, whatever. I'm like, I'm horrible. So he had put me on his practice squad, but then my grades started slipping and you wasn't having that. So um that was a wrap for basketball for that year. Yeah, so my fifth grade teacher at the time had um, asked me in class one day, he was like, have you ever thought about basketball? And my dad tried to get me into sports too, and I was oh no, the story in itself. I remember I was crying in his car when he told me I, he was signing me up for football, and he just gave up. He was, like, <laughs> yeah. was that after our CrossFit? <laughs> that, yeah, that was. And then, like, the movie um, Concussion just came out with Will Smith. I was like, yeah, right. I'm, not, I'm not doing that. So, which I regret. I honestly do regret not playing football because now I watch it religiously and I keep right. up with it. So, <clears throat> yeah, so I kind of regret not playing, but I mean, God's playing. So, uh, he had, back to my teacher, he had said, yeah, just come to practice, come to try all that. I wasn't that good at all. Like, I got cut from the team, but he had put me on his practice squad so I could improve yeah, better and all that. that. And then you cut me from the practice squad because I was having bad grades at the time. So that was that for the year. That was a wash for the fifth grade. (laughs) That was that for the fifth grade. And then the sixth grade, I actually made the team. And then it was more of the same scenario. Had bad grades, you cut me again. And the seventh grade was when I really started, like, picking up tickets seriously because I remember my dad, we were in the car. and. I mean, when your parents tell you something, that's a whole nother thing. But it takes someone else a lot of times to tell you something if you actually get it. So I remember my dad just told me, he was like, if you keep up with basketball, and he had just um, got out of prison at the time, and he had saw me play basketball for the first time. He was like, you keep this up, you can, um, you can get yourself a scholarship wherever you want to go, play basketball. I was like, whatever, like, okay. So... That was in the seventh grade. I was playing at a, a league in Trumbo, Connecticut. I, that's where I met one of my best friends, Rob, at. And, um, yeah, so I guess it really kicked off for me in the seventh grade. That's when I, that's when he had told me what he told me, and that's when I kept it in the back of my head, and that's where my work ethic started to come from. So I always um, talk about, not always, but many times on the podcast, I talk about a time period in my life where I entered into a custody battle. So our home went from being 
really joyful to being really quiet. Um, and so there are a lot of times where on the back end, I would send you to grandma's house and so that I could just go to sleep because I was like so severely depressed. But I think on your end, not until you graduated um, high school and I read your high school um, letter, <laughs> your college essay, I mean, <laughs> your college essay that I get to hear how it affected you. So how how did that affect you? I mean... It did affect me in the sense that those are my brothers and you know, growing up with, you grew up with your siblings. And I mean, I unfortunately didn't have that luxury for a large chunk of my life. I mean, I'm blessed to have them back in my life now and all that good stuff, but for the longest that wasn't the case. So I did, I mean, I missed out on a lot of memories. I missed out on um, a whole lot. When I started playing basketball, they weren't, they didn't know. They had a big chunk of the reason why I started playing and taking it seriously because I had the bright idea. I'm like, maybe if I'm on ESPN, they could be like, oh, he's playing basketball now and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I missed out on a lot um, growing up, and I didn't understand why, and I didn't feel like it was my place to ask why because if you remember a lot when I was growing up, I, was, I wasn't quiet, but I kind of – you kind of raised me with the mentality of mind your business. So – that's just, I thought it was just another mind your business scenario, um, which I guess it was, but I mean, yeah, it had an effect on me in the sense that I was a. I don't think it was a mind your business scenario. I think it was just so much that at that age, I don't think you would have understood. And it was so much poison that I just chose to try to protect you out of it, you know? Yeah, honestly, from my yeah. mother's eyes, but. I mean, with the, yeah, like, the past, I mean, I wish yeah. you wouldn't. The only reason why I say I wish you wouldn't have was because right. it probably would have gave me a lot more clarity and hindsight of what was going on. I didn't, like, right. all I remember was waking up one day, I mean, excuse me, one year, mm-hmm. house was full, and waking up on Christmas morning, this is just us. So right. I wasn't understanding why. I wasn't understanding why a whole bunch of white people were coming in and out of our house with clipboards and mm-hmm. All this other stuff. So that's the only reason why I wish you had told me what was going on and you just been up front with me just so I could process the information and not have been confused and not have put a lot on myself. Like maybe it's me, maybe it's my mother, maybe it's where we're living. So right. I guess that was just kind of it. But um But I think all of that kind of did play a role in it. But I mean, even still to this point, I think you you are 18, but I still haven't told the full story and I think that once I do you'll understand because it's still protection of you and protection of like your view you know yeah Um, yeah. but um I wouldn't necessarily say like it had a dark impact on me because it made me grow up a lot more than I um was intended because a lot of people who know me know that I don't act my age at all and that stems from just me having to grow up and become a man a little bit earlier than I had to be like you were teaching me how to do my laundry at eight years old you taught me how to cook my first meal at like 11 12 you taught me how to be like fend for myself and um pause that is so funny about the laundry (laughs) exactly but um yeah so I mean I'll I don't know if it if it was just us I'm not sure if I would have learned all those scenarios early so I mean it was pros and cons right. too. like I had to grow up right. a lot faster because 
my brothers were in the house and you right. were doing some stuff of your own. And I was still trying to, at that same time, juggle trying to become who I, I am today because I didn't know what I struggled with growing up around, right. like That's you said, middle school was learning my identity. I didn't really feel like I had an identity because I wasn't playing sports enough. And right. even when I got like two steps closer to playing sports, like I was slip up in school and that was that. So, so like, so like, what do you say to the kid that like, because you just said you didn't have an identity. So do you feel like basketball gave you like an identity sort of something to relate to? Cause like you would growing up, like if I were to mess up, you would take stuff away from me. Like took, like right. took my phone a couple of times, took my little Nintendo, took my games or something. But mm-hmm. I don't think you remember, like it was a, I had messed up like bad and you was like, yeah, you're not playing such such game. And I don't think you remember, but you had, I overheard you on the phone talking about how you heard me crying in the shower. And that was the first time you ever punished me. And I was like in tears, like hurt. That's when I knew I kind of had a love for basketball because <laughs> I wasn't, I was the, like, I wasn't materialistic like that. I didn't grow up materialistic. Like I right. didn't, I didn't become a sneakerhead until I got to high school. I didn't, realize the importance of having a whole bunch of different kind of outfits until I got to the eighth grade, seventh grade. So But wait, what do you say to the kid who like he doesn't have like he doesn't have a sports kick or like he's not good at basketball or football or he's just not that. So and he's going through stuff at home. The only reason why I would ever recommend sports to a parent or another kid is just because you automatically just get that friendship and that connection with people that you had no idea who they were prior to that. Like I've known so many teammates that I'm great friends with now just Mm -hmm. by them being my teammates before they were my friend. And that's kind of what helped me. But in the, I would, I did a lot growing up. Like I played the freaking viola, trumpet. I was in baseball. I was a video game head, like whatever. You just got to find something you love, something you passionate about. It could be anything. Like you can be, having a template in front of your face for hours find art clubs um because you'll find people that have the same love as you do as long as you find people who have the same love and same passion that you do then you're mm-hmm. gonna be fine um socially like that's all that's what i wish i would have understood right. earlier. It's, it's not you it's just the people you're surrounded by right i think uh that was a, a fortunate thing for you and because um rewinding back to that time we were in a place where um most young boys would have got caught in the bus side because at the time we were living in the projects so and the people were outside like i mean i went outside occasionally but like the people were constantly outside they were like close as glue and i don't know if you remember like can you even remember me having friends over when i was growing up no yeah, I, I didn't start having I didn't start having that till I started playing basketball. Was my point. I didn't start asking to sleep over oh. the house and all that. So and right. that was just because I had connections already, I already had people that I consider my friends just because we had something in common. Like right, I mean, like, but I mean, um, that area wasn't a good area, so I think yeah. you would have if you didn't have basketball or something to hold on to, you would have probably been caught out like a lot of them are like right now. I mean, only reason why I would disagree with you because we, when we moved in there, I wasn't playing basketball at first. Right. So, right. No. No. I mean, 
you you started to fall in love with basketball. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. And I credit like you signing me up for the Boys and Girls Club for that too, because I don't think if I had I don't think if I had if I didn't have anything to do, then I would have got caught up just like majority of my friends are right now or yeah people out there right now like I, so i guess it's not a project thing i guess it's just a period thing right it's just an environment thing because you don't really i'm not a product of my environment right i'm freaking i won a boys and girls club of the year award think think right. about that how many kids so i guess let's talk about that yeah so i mean i didn't we didn't really touch upon like we touched upon it a little bit but um like I said, around the sixth grade, you signed me up for the Boys and Girls Club. And, mm-hmm. Excuse me, fifth grade, you signed me up. And that really gave me an outlet of meeting people because I was never surrounded by kids my own age. I had, I probably, I literally have three cousins my own age. One lives in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Um, one, and two of them still in high school. So, like, I didn't really talk, get to be around family my own age. So that's why mm-hmm. I gravitated towards people who were older than me. So um, when I got to being around people my own age and interacting with people my own age, I didn't want to go at first. Like, I was like, I'm not going to the board for what? To be, I thought it was just another school environment. But it was just something more. Like, when I stepped through those silver doors, it was just like somewhere I wanted to be. Like, you let me stay there till 8.30 at night most nights. Right. You, like, was, wanted yeah. to be there. Like, yeah, like you it was wanted to stay forever. Because my friends were there, I had stuff mm-hmm. to do. Like they had game rooms. Like I was playing the Xbox sometimes, PlayStation sometimes. Then mm-hmm. when I got into basketball, I was in the gym till like eight thirty, nine o'clock until you told me like come home, let's go, make sure you're walking with somebody. So right. it was some. I found some place that I wanted to be, and I think that's what a lot of kids struggle with because they don't have somewhere that they want to be other than either home or somewhere that's not good for them and mm-hmm. luckily somewhere where I wanted to be was somewhere healthy it was a healthy environment and mm-hmm. I met, met people that I look up to to this day there and all this other stuff so yeah I don't think I really would be where I'm at right now had I not gotten signed up for Boys and Girls Club and had something to do that's a great plug for the Boys and Girls Club. Big plug, big plug. Big you should plug. pay us. <laughs> yeah, I'm not checking if you could, but um, cash out, <laughs> cash out is two hoops twelve. That's but, funny, um, but it's true. Yeah. You know, a lot of celebrities now, if you look back on their childhood, they have, they become uh, big sponsors of Boys and Girls Club because they say the same thing. Seriously, and that's why I'm really big into. Um, youth development now. That's why big reason why I became like a camp counselor in this, the past few summers was, was just because of the people who I had looked up to growing up and the counselors I had and the staff I had Boys and Girls Club because a lot of them are doing pretty decent now. So, mm-hmm. and they, go ahead. Um, so, so okay, let's rewind a little bit back. We we got to. The eighth grade. You were still also my first year. That's when I started playing travel basketball. So for those of you who don't know, travel basketball, which is AAU, is a whole nother demon in itself because when you playing um competitive sports, you're playing the people that you know, you're playing with people around your county, city, town, whatever. You're familiar with people you're playing. When you're um playing with 
people you've never met, never seen going to gyms, you've never seen around people that you don't even know from Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Washington, D.C., Cali, Tech, wherever. They all come into one bathroom environment. That was the first time I was like, this is like worldwide. That's And that was the first time I was like, yeah, I'm not making an NBA. <laughs> so my NBA dreams is shot shot right there. And but that was the first time also I got to realize like there are people all over the place. And that was the first time I had really started to travel out of Connecticut and travel out of Bridgeport was when I started um playing A for the first time in eighth grade. And um that really helped me too, because then I got used to traveling. So right. I, um every summer or every spring after that, I was constantly traveling. I wasn't really in the house all that. That's when I really started to not be in the house a lot. Right. I was always somewhere. I was either working out. Um, I was either had somewhere to go on the weekends for basketball or mm. out of practice, had something. And I don't even think, do we have a car at the time? We always had a car, yeah. Yeah, we had, man. So let's fast forward. Let's fast forward to um, your freshman year at Colby Cathedral. Yeah, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. I'm going to tell you how I even ended up going there. So I kind of had, I think it was around eighth grade graduation, I was figuring out where I was going. And my middle school experience wasn't the best because I was around a lot of toxic people in the sense that um, they all was just one mind what they wanted to do and they all wanted to stay friends. And I'm like, I don't like any of y'all. So I need to get away from from all y'all. So I thought about it, uh, um, playing in all these summer leagues and all that. And at the time, the coach from Colby, his name was Greg Thomas, and he had, was like, he was like, yeah, we thinking about going to high school, all that, I'm like thinking about going to Colby. And we talked a little bit, chopped it up, talked to you about it. Um, a few, a few coaches in the city at the time were interested in me. I know, remember, um, I bought up Capital Prep, I bought up Basic, and I bought up Colby. You were like, you're not going to Bassett. So that conversation didn't even last long. My dad, to this day, my dad is furious I didn't go to Bassett. But that's, a, that's another. Like yeah, I, that would have been a whole trap. For <laughs> We're not going down. He, my dad was, yeah, he, he wasn't too happy about that. But um, We're both products of Bassett, which is why <laughs> you weren't going. And then Capital Prep was too new of school. And then, but their school days were too long. So. I was like, Kobe it is. So then right. my freshman year of Kobe, it was different because I wasn't used to wearing a tie every day. Wasn't used to wearing I was used to wearing uniforms, but not to that. So my freshman year of high school was a experience. And also too, we moved we had moved again a town over. So Kobe Cathedral is in Bridgeport, right? And we had moved to Stratford. So, okay. So you entered into, um, Colby and let's talk about, uh, I guess the first two years of basketball were kind of a wash, huh? My freshman year was a waste in the sense that I was not prepared at all. I had not seen any high school games other than that one year you were, you were doing like a step team and y'all had to, um, perform at halftime. So I just went with you. And yeah, it was Brian McMahon versus Norwalk. And I went to that oh, game. Okay. 
Yeah, so that was my first high school game. But other than that, I'd never seen a high school basketball game before. So I was completely okay. unprepared. Like, I didn't know we had to bring our um, practice jerseys every practice. I didn't know we needed more than one pair of sneakers for the mm-hmm. whole year. I didn't. I was uneducated, like, completely. So... So, um, those two coaches, you know, your freshman year, sophomore year weren't really good, but then your junior year was very exciting. Talk yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah. So my freshman, sophomore year, like I said, it kind of, I wouldn't consider it a waste cause it taught me the value of losing. Yeah. Um, okay. Because I was like every game. <laughs> I think you get both seasons total. We won the eighth game, eight games. Wow. And yeah. So that shot my confidence completely i was like i'm done losing like i was i even talked about you transferring i'm like i don't want to say anymore right we did mm-hmm. yeah so then the all-time winningest coach at my school his kids all graduate high school finally and he starts his second year at home so we're like all right let's see how this goes i mean it can't be that bad long story short we end up winning the state championship and my name gets like ridiculous in Bridgeport and around the city and all that now. Right, in the newspapers. Lose all that because I'm the only one from that championship team who was starting coming back. So everybody kind of had their eye on me and I was kind of in this snow globe all of a sudden. So that's really when my little basketball popularity started coming around. That's when my all the um, college coaches started coming around. That's when AAU people were looking, up, looking me up, seeing all the articles, seeing all the videos, like, hmm. Who's this kid? So mm-hmm. that was so, really different for me. And so, but how was your last year? My last year was interesting because it taught me how to be a leader. Okay. Which people yeah. always told me they had that. I already had that in me, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize that I had it in me until my senior year of high school because I was the only starter coming back, and um, I can remember like the lineup total it was three seniors none of them had started other than me um mm-hmm. freshman and a sophomore right and it was just a whole lot of I wouldn't even consider it at first it felt like babysitting but I was just like they don't know any better right and that's where it became being a big brother had to come into a, being a factor so right. with that's that I was that was like the first time I had a put a belt on and strap up and like all right like now's the time for me to like I like I can't be kind of everything's gonna fall on me in a sense right because mm-hmm. if we had could we have if we had lost everybody was looking at me if we won right. who was the first person that come to interview me and my coach so that's where I started having to take a leadership role and starting to realize like this is kind of my team my environment now and once I got to high school and started taking great seriously and starting to realize if I wanted to get recruited and starting to realize if I wanted to be a better person and be better than both of my parents and I had to have the right GPA. I mean, my SAT score sucked. Right. I tried and I've seen worse. Right. But but your grades are excellent. I agree. I mean, I've I've had the best support system in the world. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I was, um, I was, I was blessed. Right. And so you went off to college and you um, had a scholarship to King State. Yeah. And so 
Um, so let's let's talk about the advice that you have um, to parents of boys, moms of boys, because it's probably a lot of single moms that listen. Well, moms, period. Um, so number one, you already said, um, get them into something. Get them into. I only say that because they're going. Cause I grew up socially awkward. Is I don't know what I was probably the most socially awkward kid in the city. Right. But um, <clears throat> I only say that because by default you're already going to be meeting people of the same interest of you. Like I had gotten into a million and five things before I was in the basketball, and those were all short and temporary. Mm-hmm. And uh, once I found something I loved and I enjoyed doing. And I found a whole bunch of people who enjoyed doing it with me and a bunch of people that I could just hang out with and be a kid with. Like it was a wrap from there. Right. And you, and you stuck with it and you excelled in that. So with it. um, So number two, what else would you say? I would say give it time. Like, don't, don't panic on your son. Cause I Mm -hmm. could, I remember plenty of times he was panicking over me. <laughs> I remember you mm-hmm. we trying to find ment- little mentors for me and other successful black men and black figures, which I got to um, commend you for and all that. But mm-hmm. if you realize, you look at my life with the exception of my father and um, a few others, like I was majority raised by women my whole life. Right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like moms just, if I were to give chillax. You, take two steps. Don't don't force it. Don't try to fit a um square peg in a circle. Right. Like, he'll come around, to be honest with you. It just takes time. Cause it took me time. Okay. It took yeah. me about ten years to find my little foothold. But mm-hmm. um yeah, Okay, like, that's good. You got uh give them get them into something. You got give it time and, and let's, let's do one more. Let your son spread his wings a little bit, too. Okay. Another thing I love you a lot for is you didn't keep me in the house a lot. You let me explore. You let me become a man on my own. And you didn't try to tell me how to do something that you didn't even know how to do yourself. Right. And, like, a lot of my experiences and a lot of the reason why I became so wise is because I failed a whole lot growing up. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Those were all lessons. Those were all life lessons. And... I remember um, a coach had told me one day that a smart man learns from another person's mistakes. Mm -hmm. I always kept that in the back of my mind. And from there, that just taught me, all right, if I were to ever mess up in life doing this, or if such and such were to happen, then don't make the same mistake twice. Make the same mistake twice. It's your fault. Right. And day, you got to wake up and look at yourself in the mirror and blame nobody else but yourself. So if I were to give my last little piece of advice is to just let your kid spread his wings because the difference between guys and girls is girls sometimes need guidance to um, find their foothold and they need the yelling at and they need to the no, you can't go here and blah, blah, blah. But guys are different because if you keep this, we're not the types to retaliate against our mothers mm-hmm. we're softies with them all so we understand the green light of all right my mom is allowing me to branch out and become a person on my own and as long as we know that 
a mom is always going to be there for her son. That's all we need. At least that's all yep. I need was to just know that at the end of the day, I could come to mom for anything that I needed and she'll do the best of her ability to get it done. Even to this day, that's a big part of our connection. Like, I'll come to you with whatever I need and I'll talk to you about whatever I feel as if that we need to talk about. And you're always there to listen. And you're always there to hear me out and do what you can need to do and all that. Right. So. I guess, you know, which was, which was a road in itself to get to, but yeah, it took but we get there years. We, with any parent. It took years for me to be comfortable talking to you. Like, yeah, I, right. And I, I, I feel like, I mean, I didn't become comfortable talking to my mom until I was like 22. So exactly. this is true. Exactly. Yep. Now I call her all the time. All the time. Well, um, yeah, I guess that's it. Um, one thing I would like to you to say, I mean, if there's any little boys that that are listening that are that socially awkward boy who are wondering about their future, you know, about their friends, maybe they're the kid who doesn't really have any friends. Um, what what kind of advice? would you like to give that kid or or what would you say if you could say something to the young Quentin who um, may I be mean, that young boy listening if I say something to young Quentin I just say give it time because you're young like you're trust me you you got a whole life to live and friends are gonna come and go people if I were to tell young Quentin something it'd just be to just stay patient with it because I didn't start becoming the people person I am and I didn't start become, getting the friends that I did until I was around 13, 14, 15 years old. Um, so you're going to go through trials and tribulations and all that at a young age, especially if you're not the most talkative person in the room or if you're too much of a talkative person in the room and nobody's listening, it happens. That's how you grow as a person. That's how you mature as a person. That's how you be know what audience is going to gravitate towards you and what audience isn't going to gravitate towards you. So the advice I'd give is just stay patient and don't force anything. Let friends come to you. Let people come to you. Because yeah. the people that want to be around you are the people that are going to be around you, the people that's going to yeah. forever. So. It's so tricky to be a teenager. Um, you know, I you know better than I do because you just went through it. I mean, I went through it over maybe 20 years ago being in high school but the difference between your generation and our generation is yeah our generation is put on it's worse lot. it's worse <laughs> attention seeking we like we yeah we, we're a real attention seeking generation and that's why right i always say money isn't the root of back then money was the root of all evil evil now attention is the root of all evil so that's the only scary part about being a teenager now is because we like to compare our lives to other people's mm -hmm. and put like put it on the blame of everybody else other than us right um, i never i was always smart enough to know like if i want to live that lavish life i gotta work for it myself but other kids aren't that mentally disciplined to know better so that's right the, well, that's the difference in comparison. Like nobody, we're not materialistic like that, mm -hmm. but we are materialistic in the sense that we'll do it to get attention. So, and what um what advice do you have to the parent who like um 
has a hard time talking to their kid because like you know like i said teenagers go through a lot they're having they're having sex they're doing drugs and then parents are oblivious and never say like a word about anything a word of protection a word of be careful a word of uh you know, use protection, a word of anything. So what advice do you have um, to moms that are mothers of teenager boys and and don't communicate with them? Yeah, just talk. Even if they don't listen, just talk. That's all you got to do. Because I know with me, sometimes there'd be sometimes you bust in my room to give me a lecture and I'll let it go through one year and out the other. But <laughs> at least you said what you said and you then you couldn't say that you didn't say it. So right. <laughs> then all of a sudden it's a I told you so scenario. So right. like if you were a mother, just talk to your kid. Don't be afraid to talk to something that you can see. Right. Oh, that's a good quote. Yeah, because what are we gonna like the worst we can do is not listen. But at the same right. time, if you say it enough, eventually we're gonna have to. Right. So how many times do you come to my room and say the same thing over and over again? And I just eventually listen. Right. So that's I mean, a teenager. That's it's just yeah, a teenager. I, I I still do it to this day. That, but that's right. the that's the kid coming at me. But um right. Yeah. Like, just talk to your child. It's not they're a human being at the end of the day. Yeah, they're growing up, yeah, it's scary, but they were your little boy, your little girl before anything. So as long right. as you talk to your child, keep pushing the same message, keep pushing your intentions and pushing um, the vision that you have for them and keep putting hope into their life and positivity in their life, they're, they're, they're going to be good. Even if you got the most reckless child in the world, as long as they got mom to come to or dad to come to or something like that, and as long as they know they have that reassurance of being at home, then you've done your job as a mother. Yeah. Well, I think that's it. I don't have anything else. Any other questions? Do you have any um, other last nuggets that you want to say? I think Uh I think I would just probably like to say that I'm very proud. Um, Uh You are an example. (laughs) You are an example to your brothers and to your cousins. Um, You did well as the first one going out. So everyone has a great example to look up to um not to compare ourselves to but at least to um be the best that you could be yeah so um yep your brothers are looking and watching your cousins are watching uh we are we're a close-knit family of aunties and grandparents cousins and siblings so everyone's watching I'm and th- I'm um of you guys thank you and what are you studying so that the people know? All right, so I bounced around a lot. Um, mm-hmm. What I finally decided to do was do a double major. Okay. Criminal justice and psychology. What that's going to do is allow me to become eventually a juvenile counselor so that people who I – just only because I wanted to become a juvenile counselor because of the sense that the environment I had grown up in, I saw a lot of talent go to waste. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of people um, – who had so much more potential than me, so much mm-hmm. more growth than me, so much more better living environments than me, just like, talent just go to waste. And mm-hmm. a lot of that was just because they didn't have the same people in my ear, same mentors in my ear telling me that I can be something. And mm-hmm. 
telling um, them what they can do and the realistics of life and right. um, that it's more than just being a rapper or a ball player or selling drugs. Right. <laughs> Pause. You went you went through your time period. You were like, I I think I want to make beats for a yeah, hot second. I, I did for a second. Like I even <laughs> to this day, like I got a little beat thing on my laptop just because it's still <laughs> something I like I, for the longest right. didn't I play. I think um because I saw a Dr. Dre documentary. I was like, I wanna do right. that. Who doesn't sit down <laughs> and make music? Like Right. <laughs> cool. More, I yeah, got my more life. And I asked you for a beat, um, some beat headphones later that Christmas right. and stuff. Right. But, um, yeah, I, yeah. there's more to that. And I that's wish a lot of my kids knew. And mm-hmm. that's, I kind of want to be that person working the prisons, working foster right. care and stuff like that. Right. So, and that'll be good for them to see a black man um, trying to. Who looks like them because. Right. Up, I mean, we met with a lot of social workers growing up and I saw a mm-hmm. like me. And right. I remember having one eighth grade teacher. Um, he passed too young now. But, um, his name was Mr. Henry, and he was one of the first social workers that was a black man that I saw. And mm-hmm. um, all he, all his job was doing was giving out advice. Mm. All he got paid to do was just give out advice, and we right. listen because it was somebody who looked like us. Mm-hmm. So, all these yep. all um, kids in detention centers and foster cares are going through it mentally and stuff like that. A lot of the time it's just because they have nobody telling them the stuff that I got told growing up. So, and I've seen it firsthand what that can do to people. So that's why I wanted to get into what I wanted to get to. Right. So that's great. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for Quentin. Round of applause. Woo! I love inserting round of applauses. <laughs> my, my social media, um, Twitter is QSL two and two. Instagram Cubes 12. Um, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm still you contemplating if I want to on Facebook yet, but right. we'll see. Eventually. So Instagram QSL1212. No, <laughs> no, it's not it. But um. Oh, what is it? It's Q-Hoops 12. Oh, um, I'm sorry. Facebook is on the way one of these days when I feel like right. it. Um, yeah. All right. Cash well, thank you. Q-Hoops 12 if y'all want to throw me some tides. Cash um, up is what? <laughs> Q hoops twelve. Um, <laughs> I'll hop on demo. You never know. You never know. Every every dollar. Someone comes. might be encouraged. You're you're a broke college student yeah. right now. I'm going through it. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll take any top any any tides or any blessing that y'all willing to sow into my life. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I'm, Quentin. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. Serious. <laughs> thank you for coming on to the moments of joy podcast um and i hope that somebody is encouraged i hope that some child listens or some mom and finds hope in knowing that their kid's gonna be all right because you made it from the bottom yeah, you ain't there yet but you're gonna be there <laughs> you know what I mean? huh so we should do this again next year yes we should do it again soon Maybe we'll do an all-sibling one. I don't know about that, but... (laughs) All right. Thanks for joining the show. Say bye-bye. Bye.